Hello and welcome to Surviving the News, your sometimes occasionally nightly podcast in which I have opinions and I tell you them. I am your host, Phil Elmore. Surviving the News is a production of philelmore.com. As you can probably tell by listening to me, I have a cold. Now, I thought about <clears throat> ostentatiously wrapping myself in a shawl and putting a beanie on my head and huddling against the chills of my illness while somehow managing to broadcast, but I thought, how ridiculous would that be when your choices really, if you are not feeling well, are either not to do a show, or if you are well enough to do a show, do a show like a human being, instead of like you're play acting. If you're wondering at this point what I'm talking about, uh, Stuttering John went live today, wrapped in a shawl, wearing a beanie, complaining of chills, and screaming about AFib. Now, if you think you have AFib, call a doctor immediately. Don't just die in your mother's living room or dining nook or whatever, wherever this stupid hutch is that he's pictured. If you're listening to this, he's wrapped in a blanket and he's wearing uh, a wool cap and he's clearly very, very ill. At least <clears throat> he was very, very ill until food started to be delivered, and then he became very animated. Now, first he remembered to groan uh, histrionically when getting up from the couch, but uh, then he forgot all about that when he got wrapped up in, was this particular delivery paid for, was it not? Uh, and then he was probably running through the list of people he needed to remember to scream at today. So I wonder if maybe John didn't forget that he was pretending to be much more sick than he actually is. Um, eventually the guys from Rico did an afternoon show and I tuned away from John because he was just boring hell out of me. Um, but we'll come back to that. Our, our thesis for this evening has to do with the prospect of John not being here anymore. And you might say, but we've covered that in recent memory and we have, but there's a few reasons why it's sort of topical this evening. Uh, as you know, stuttering John has repeatedly threatened to walk away from the devil verse so that all the podcasts that currently feed off of his activity wither and die on the vine. Uh, this is part of a growing sense of self-awareness where this constellation of podcast is, podcasts is concerned. Uh, you may remember that early on, when John started doing his political show, he was only concerned with hating half the country. Uh, whether I'm a little unclear on where in the timeline of his political podcast his 2018 phone call to Trump falls. I don't know how long he was doing that podcast before that phone call. But after that, he was all in on hating Trump and hating Republicans. And if you look at John's Twitter feed when he's not prosecuting his grievances that are dabbleverse related, he pretty much only tweets about how much he hates half the country. That's, you know, very he's very focused on that when he's in the left to his own devices. <clears throat> now, after 
the 2018 phone call to Trump, which went nowhere and accomplished nothing except getting him on a list somewhere uh, with the Secret Service. He proceeded to do his terrible political show, which was actually much less terrible then than it is now. He used to get much bigger guests, guests that he's burned his bridges with since. He used to work with producers. He did some of his best work with a fellow named Royce. Um, as with all of his relationships, there's bad blood there now. But when John went away and became a substitute teacher, I, I think that's the timeline. One of the gaps in the John continuum is the eight-month period that he was away, which coincided with me discovering Uncle Rico. I think when I first started listening to Uncle Rico, I think that was during John's actual absence. This is significant because Rico did nothing but grow while John was gone, and the Shuley Network did nothing but grow while John was gone. And then John came back, and he was still only part of the time dealing with his grievances, and the rest of the time trying to do whatever it is he thinks he's doing. But that changed, and it changed pretty quickly, because John realized that there was super chat money in the grievances. That's what people enjoy the heat and light of the back and forth and the drama. So his political show got pushed to the rear burner. Now that's one day a week and only sometimes when he feels like it. And sometimes it's not even the whole show. And it's all grievance all the time. But we're not done with the self-awareness parade. From not liking the Dabbleverse and declaring that this Dabbleverse is not friendly, eventually... John decided that he was the king of the Dabbleverse, the sun around which all these planetary bodies revolve, the moons reflecting his light. So he started proudly proclaiming that it was his Dabbleverse, and he was the king, and he was in charge. He was very, very, very proud of that fact. But that's when the extortion started, because that's when he started telling us he was going to leave. And if you do anything I don't like, I'm going to leave. If you strike my channel, I'm going to leave. If this stops being profitable and the Super Chats stop coming in, I'm going to leave. All of that. And it's that moment, that moment of self-awareness where everyone should have started thinking in terms of what happens when John goes away. We're going to talk a little bit about possible exit strategies for John today too. Not that I think He'll actually avail themselves of it, but it's an interesting exercise. And who knows? The one thing that is predictable about the Dabbleverse is that it is completely unpredictable. I know this from just planning shows ahead of time. I'll have one idea, and then something weird will happen that cannot be ignored. And we're overdue for something weird happening in the Dabbleverse that cannot be ignored. Those things happen with regularity, and when they don't happen on their own, sometimes people contrive them. But sooner or later, someone is going to. And then something weird is going to happen. So where that takes us from there, anybody's guess. That's part of the reason this is so fun. It's part of the reason it can also be frustrating because you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, let's see. He talks about uh, he's the center of the devil verse. And then I'm just going to go through what I have here for notes. So what if John actually walked away? Would that be good for him? Would that be bad for him? And what are the circumstances wherein that could be a win as opposed to a loss? As we'll talk about tomorrow on tomorrow night's show. Wait a minute. Have I forgotten? Let me back up a minute. Am I doing? <laughs> Forgive me. I'm a little sick. Uh, no, no, we're doing the right show. 
I got confused. The the uh, tomorrow show is talking about John losing. This is what that show is going to look like. That's Thursday. Today's Wednesday, right? Sorry, forgot what day it was for a minute there. Kind of an occupational hazard. Uh, tomorrow morning on the STN Morning News, we're going to talk about Chinese spy balloons. Mostly that was an excuse to make that adorable spy balloon graphic. So tomorrow morning, uh, the, the 8 a.m. news show that I've been doing this week and will continue to do where I get you up to speed. The STN Morning News is 20 to 30 minutes of headlines and analysis that hopefully allows you to survive the news. And then on Friday night's show, there'll be another Friday morning news show, which I haven't got a theme for yet. Friday night show, we're going to talk about his no good, horrible, very bad year. And yes, that is Stuttering John is the baby new year for 2024. But we're going to talk about why, rightly so, John probably will not be sorry to see 2023 go. So all of that is coming up. So you definitely should tune in. Um, let me do some business. I will read your super chats. I can't keep track of the regular chat during the show. I'm trying to actually break myself with the habit of doing that. Uh, your support of the show would be greatly appreciated if you choose to super chat in or buy a membership. Um, there's links in the description for this video where you can turn on your accepted gifted, accept gifted memberships. I do that every time. And where you can buy a membership if you can't find that. Uh, buying a membership or accepting a gifted membership gets you access to exclusive members-only content. There is a playlist on the uh, Surviving the News YouTube channel that has all of the member-exclusive content, and I believe you can see that even if you don't have a membership. I think the playlist is visible. And there are also playlists for the STN Morning News if you want to just catch up with that. There's playlists for this, uh, the regular live uh, broadcast. So pretty much everything is organized right on the main uh, uh, page there. All right, let me go to see. We, we did the business. We did that. Uh, oh, audio versions of the podcast are available everywhere you get podcasts. So iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, literally anywhere. If you'd prefer to listen to these podcasts as opposed to seeing them, and I should know I have a face for radio, uh, feel free to subscribe to the audio versions. They're completely free. The only thing that will never appear there is the member-exclusive content. Okay, let's get back to Around the Devilverse, shall we? Uh, John wasn't feeling well today, or at least John was pretending not to feel well. And uh, he made a big stink about it. It talked about how uh, he has uh, taken a COVID test. Um, I did too. There was a lot of weird symmetry there because I took a COVID test recently to make sure that I didn't have COVID. Uh, because uh, that's what you do in the modern era now. We've all forgotten that it's possible to get regular sick. We all think that anytime anyone gets sick, it must be COVID. And if it's COVID, then you have the scarlet letter upon you for however long it takes you to stop testing positive for COVID. But no, according to this COVID test, if it is still valid, because I don't know if you noticed, our government was like, hey, uh, a lot of those are going to say expired. They're fine. Wait, what? They expire for a reason. No, no, they're fine. You can still use those. Perfectly valid. Uh, and if you ask us for some, we may send you some that are expired. It, it's fine. Just, you know, uh, I'm not sure it is. No, no, it's fine. So, but these were unexpired and uh, they seem to indicate that I don't have COVID because you can still get a regular cold, it turns out. And lots of people do. Uh Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rant adjacent there because I just find that whole thing ridiculous. Uh, so 
John, as I said, seemed sick until he wasn't. He claimed on Twitter that he feels better and then he feels worse and then he feels nauseous. And then he was screaming about having AFib. Um, let me look that up because I'm not entirely certain what it is. AFib stands for atrial fibrillation, which is a type of arrhythmia or abnormal heartbeat. Okay, that's what I thought. So if you're experiencing arrhythmia, don't stay in the dining nook yelling about it at your laptop. You need help. So no word yet on whether John had AFib as he kept insisting. But uh, I don't know, just something to think about. Um, not having COVID as... The show turned extremely scatological today. He was going on at great detail about hemorrhoids and, and wiping and things that it just, ugh. and then he spent a lot of time screaming at Casey Armstrong and calling the man names. This is because Casey has dared to talk about him in recent memory. John is very, very brave when he's in his mother's dining nook far away you know, with a computer between them. I'm quite certain that John, for all of his posturing, would not talk this way to Casey's face because, I mean, have you seen Casey? The man is in much better shape than John and could probably drop him like a sack of flour. So I'm certain that John's behavior would not be quite so brazen were the two of them to interact, even though John is always talking about how he wants to get everybody in the world in a boxing ring. Um, I don't know, uh, maybe when he does finally get someone to agree to box him. He'll just clutch his chest and scream AFib and fall down and the match will be over. I did an episode quite a while back now about how Stuttering John lost that fight to Cabby, even though the announcers made sure to tell you that he had won it. Uh, it's worth looking at uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. But anyway, he, he yelled at Casey a lot, uh, kept calling him a coward and various other names that are synonymous with coward. And then a delivery showed up, and John screamed at the delivery person, I didn't order anything. Did they pay for it? And when the answer was no, he resumed yelling and saying, I'm a big-time celebrity. They're playing a joke on you. Now, he did point out a little bit later in the broadcast that when he says he's the biggest celebrity ever to exist, that's all a joke. However, that is lost on the delivery person who just got yelled at, who's going to go back to wherever he was dispatched from and say, this guy told me he was a big celebrity and we were being pranked and he wouldn't accept the food or pay for it. So, and then we were supposed to feel very bad because John's like, you know, these young men, they come out here, they drive all the way here and you making them do this. Like, yes, that's bad, but your treatment of them is just as bad. What, what would be wrong with politely saying, I'm sorry, sir, you've been pranked. Please don't bring any more deliveries to this address. I mean, you might have to do that with several local delivery people, but that would be far better than treating the drivers as if they're in on the prank, which they are not. So I don't like the way John treats people that he considers beneath him. It is an indicator of his character, and it is quite unsavory. Um, so then they spent some time screaming about having AFib, uh, and then he couldn't resist comparing himself to Shuley. So let's back up for a second and review. He's sick. He shouldn't be doing a broadcast at all. He thought he was going to do a 20-minute broadcast to jump on and tell you all that he was too sick to do politics today. Then he starts screaming, forgets he's sick, then says he's better, then says he's nauseous, then starts screaming about Shuley and manages to talk, like compare himself to Shuley's life, something that I'm certain he must do dozens of times a day.
Like the man must start his day looking into the mirror going, I'm awake now, are you? You know, just just constantly obsessing over Shuli Igar. Like, it's unhealthy at this point, the amount of obsession. Um, weirdly, Carl did not get brought up at all today, I don't think, at least not while I was watching. I'm sure Carl is never far from his thoughts. Um, there's a tie-in here because my lost who, if you're not subscribed to My Lost Interest, you should be. He posted a clip right before I went live to do this show where Ray DeVito basically explained that he doesn't understand the Shuli Network. He doesn't watch the BS show. He doesn't get this. He doesn't get that. Basically, Ray understands nothing, according to Ray. I don't know Ray. He seems like a nice enough guy. But I feel like Ray spends a lot of time not understanding things and then blaming other people for not understanding them when... Just taking a little bit of time to watch the thing you're complaining about might fix your not understanding them. Um, and Ray mentioned that he doesn't understand how the Shuli Network can go on because making fun of John has a limited time span. And that ties back into our theme for the evening. Uh, basically, many people have said that, oh, well, the Dabbleverse has a built-in time limit. Sooner or later, everyone's going to get sick of John. Sooner or later, everyone's going to get tired of making fun of John. The Dabbleverse is dying. Uh, nobody cares. And while they make these proclamations, and periodically John threatens to go away. He did it just recently while traveling for the holiday and then blew the joke immediately instead of sticking with it for a while. <laughs> Many people have proclaimed the death of the Dabbleverse or the impending death of the Dabbleverse. And meanwhile, uh, the Shuli Network keeps growing strong keeps doing shows, and there seems to be no end to the interest in and uh, desire for content that makes fun of Stuttering John. Is that bullying him? Uh, and Ray's uh, clip, and this was the very clip I'm talking about, this My Lost Interest clip, um, Ray was going on about how it's like a cafeteria lunch table, and oh, look, look at his ears, and look at that shirt, and look at his hair. And I agree that if that's what the analysis was, which is what John tends to do, oh, oh, look at him wearing his pink shirt and his yellow hat and his blue shoes and his bicycle and who has groceries. Like, I'm sorry, I, I lost the accent after a while because my throat is killing me. Um, if the analysis of John was just pointing and going, look how funny looking he is, then yeah, that would not be compelling. And it might actually be bullying, but it's not. It's making fun of the stuff that John puts out in public and analyzing all of the things he does that are eminently lampoonable, if lampoonable is a word, if you'll allow me that. Why do you think John and this constellation of podcasts orbiting John has had so much staying power? It's because he's a uniquely bizarre individual who is simultaneously funny, unintentionally, weird enough to be compelling and obnoxious enough to get people to want to watch to see him made fun of because they feel like a sort of karmic justice is being done. Um, it's not like uh, I was going back and forth with, with some folks on Twitter uh, centering around an obituary for someone that was very negative and nothing to do with John, but they're like, you know, do you think John's family would write something like this when he's gone? And I said, look, he's he's done some obnoxious and reprehensible things, but he's not evil. You know, the man's not Hitler. Uh, still, 
you know, I don't know what his family will have to say about him after he's gone. His health doesn't look great. Um, if, if we're to judge based on just the, the markers of alcohol abuse that are potentially there, but it's also possible that a lot of that is exaggerated. He is almost 60 years old. People tend to kind of fall apart as they get older. I'm living proof. So maybe all that is exaggerated. Maybe we're seeing in some cases what we expect to see. And maybe he's actually much better off than we think he is. I would get surgery for your hemorrhoid problem, sir. That does not sound normal. Uh, it does not sound like something that should just be lived with, is what I'm saying. They do have surgery for that, I think. So, uh, meanwhile, Shuli uh, and company did an extended analysis of John's recent appearance on Kevin Brennan's show. I showed you this screen cap yesterday. That's what that looked like. Um, uh, it was interesting to see John basically kissing Kevin's butt. Um, it was easy enough for Kevin to win John back because John was trash talking him just the day before, or maybe even that same day before he got the link to go on. I don't recall it all blurs together. You know, John has had nothing good to say about Kevin Brennan for quite some time. He's, you know, by turns, he's been mad. And then he's tried to kind of modify that a little bit. And, you know, then he was mad again. Um, Kevin has had to craft an entire scenario in his head to cope with any success that Shuli and the Shuli network have. He was just posting on Twitter. I just saw it before I went live to go on the show. Uh, he was posting, he posted the, the poster for the show that the guys are doing in January in Poughkeepsie, I think it is. And he's like, what? It's not sold out yet. They have so many fans. And I'm like, okay, first of all, <clears throat> If I was going to buy tickets to a show in the middle of January, I don't know as I necessarily would have bought them yet, but okay, some people plan ahead. But also, let's say your show has, let's call it 20,000 subscribers. I don't know what the Shuli Network's actual subscriber number is. And let's say you have over 4,000 paid members. That I know. Uh, because Shuli mentioned it on a show just recently. It was like 4,300 or more than 4,300. Those people are distributed all around the world. They're all across the country. Some of them are international. Do you think they're lining up to drive to Poughkeepsie, New York in January? Like, I'm pretty sure, <clears throat> excuse me, the pool of potential ticket buyers are only those people who would conceivably see themselves driving to a comedy club in Poughkeepsie in January. <laughs> so I'm not sure crying that they haven't sold out, and that must mean they're a bunch of failures, really is the own that you think it is. Um, interestingly, Kevin issued an apology on Twitter about having John on his show. I think it was meant sarcastically. Uh, somebody asked John, today it was, I believe, about how do you feel about Kevin apologizing for you being on the show? And John did that thing where he just, when he doesn't know or doesn't know how to react, he says, well, I don't care. Um, John didn't notice or Kevin told him it was a joke. He posted on Twitter that uh, he was very pleased with his appearance. And the whole thing just felt like literally this guy can do anything he wants to John, say anything he wants to John. John can get all offended about it. And the second he sends him a link to come on again, John is happy to do so. There's a lot of weird hero worship where Kevin Brennan is concerned. John seems to have added Kevin to the roster of 
father figures that he wants, maybe because Kevin represents a certain career success that he would like to emulate, or maybe just for whatever reason, you know, he fixed on him. And I don't pretend to know how that selection process occurs, but clearly Howard Stern was a surrogate father figure. Clearly he sees Jay Leno as a surrogate father figure. And given how much abuse he's willing to take and come crawling back for more, Kevin Brennan seems to be one of those surrogate father figures for John. Um, also, interestingly, uh, he has criticized Ray DeVito in the past for taking Brennan's abuse, as he terms it. And, you know, Ray's like, look, they're paying me, and I laugh it off. Ray seems to have a pretty good attitude about it, honestly. So John, when he's not white knighting for Ray or yelling about like. He has been, if you charted all of his opinions about Ray DeVito on a, on a line, he's been at every point on that continuum. He doesn't like him. He doesn't know who he is. He does like him. He's taking up for him. He thinks it's stupid that he's doing this. He's mad at him for taking money to leave the show. He understands why he took money to leave the show everywhere there is. He's been all over the map. So I guess if you're in that rare category of people that John is neither furious with nor trying to seek favor with, that's the kind of on-off interaction you can expect. So good luck to you if you find yourself in that category. Oh, all right. Uh, let me go over to uh, Super Chats. Let me just, uh, I wonder if I need to turn on the Terminator vision. I don't think I do. Uh, oh, well, I mean, come on. I'll turn on the Terminator vision just because I know Sheena likes it. There it is. There's the Terminator overlay. I am now looking at the Super Chats and checking for inappropriate avatars, except I, I don't need to do that. Um, let me go back to comments. Master of Violence says, hopefully someone gets the idea to Super Chat 200 to $500 several times to John, then reverse the charges in Minecraft. I'm not sure that's even possible. I think once you send a Super Chat, I don't know how you would go about getting it refunded. So that's a, that's a potentially expensive and dangerous game. Uh, also, I'm not sure it would be a very long, slow fuse of a joke because he would think those super chats came in and I don't know how close an eye he keeps on his YouTube revenue, but it would probably be quite some time before he realized that the total revenue for the month was not keeping up with having received several hundred dollars in super chats in close succession. Cause not only does it take them a little over a day to process the daily revenue that you make from a video, but then you don't see the money until the 21st of the month after the month where the revenue occurred. So uh, that I'm not sure that's the best joke you could play. I, I feel like there's a lot of risk involved in that. Uh, let's see. Let me take that off there. J.R. Ryan says, John said he only got the mandated two initial shots per school policy and no boosters. He's 58 with hypertension. Is he a right-wing anti-vaxxer? Well, I'm a, I'm a right-winger, and I've had three of those stupid things. I'm not too happy about it because it was only after we went through all that that they started going, mm, maybe you hold back on that. Maybe there are some issues. So I worry about it a lot. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing, but a lot of people did a lot of things back then. 
Uh, Aku Mugen says he privated his live show when Shuli went live. I noticed that because I was going to go back and watch the rest of it. And I noticed that it was no longer visible. I don't know what he thinks he's... I believe uh, the folks over at the Shuli Network have some kind of automatic service that just automatically downloads everything he does. So the second he's live, they're getting a recording of it. And when he finishes, they have it. So there's no point in him trying to private those shows or remove them. Now, the internet is better off when he doesn't have that stuff up because it's not quality content, but he's not protecting himself in any way. And it's interesting to me that he's never put that together, that in all the time he's taken those shows down to try and protect them, it's never made any difference. Lunitude's critic with a generous donation says, I tried to super chat John multiple times today to tell him to go to the hospital. Yeah, from the whole AFib thing. My, uh, what is that? My fam has heart issues, so I know what he's going through. But John's blocked me, so my conscience is guilt-free. I tried. Well, yeah, if he really thinks he's having an arrhythmia, that's not something you should mess around with. That's worth a trip to urgent care so that they can uh, evaluate you for whether you should go to the emergency room. And honestly, I am at the point in my life where I usually skip urgent care unless it's something very specific. Like I went to urgent care when I hurt my back because I knew that they could prescribe a steroid pack that immediately worked to make my, my back muscles stop being inflamed. Um, Beyond that, you go to the urgent care, you spend a lot of time waiting, and if it's serious, they send you to a real doctor. If it's not serious, then you spend a lot of time waiting, and they, you know, they're like, eh. So I've never had a very good experiences with urgent care overall. But still, yes, time to seek medical attention. James Mark says, the Dabbleverse revolves around Stuttering John. If Stuttering John dies, do focus fall upon another, or do we all disperse into the wind? Well, that's uh, kind of the topic of tonight's show, and it's been the topic of past shows, James. I think the Dabbleverse continues. I think in some cases we'll talk about other people. In some cases the interconnected podcasts just start focusing on each other more because they already do that. Um, there's no shortage of weirdness on the Internet. If, uh, if Mr. Medicker taught us anything, he taught us that much. So very pleased that he's still alive, by the way. If you know who Mr. Medicker is, then you know why that's a good thing. So no, I don't think we disperse into the wind. And, and I know in my case, I would probably just focus more on news. So uh, what is this? Uh, Hammer says, saddened to hear about your awake apnea prayers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're referring to the fact that I'm sick or if you're referring to the fact that uh, I had sleep apnea, but it's treated now with CPAP therapy. But either way, thank you. I appreciate your well wishes. I'm, I'm okay. I just have a cold. I, again, people have forgotten that it's possible to get regular sick. Uh, and John Spittle, very good to see you, sir. Gifted a Surviving the News membership. Let me just go over here and make sure that I haven't missed anything. Just click that, check that. Okay, I think we're good. I think we're all caught up. Uh, let me take that star off of there. Okay, uh, let's do some headlines before we come back to uh, Stuttering John's exit strategy, shall we?
These are your headlines for this evening's uh, STN Nightly News Roundup. Danny Masterson is in prison. This is Danny Masterson's prison mugshot. Um, it's kind of a weird expression, to be honest. Like, like he looks very bright-eyed and eager for somebody who's just gone to prison for rape. So, okay. I have a news story for that here from Yahoo News. Uh, I saw this a little earlier this evening. I'm like, I got to talk about this weird mugshot. The first mugshot of that 70s show actor, Danny Masterson, does no one remember that he was also on Netflix's The Ranch, has been revealed, and he does not look his best as his hair and beard are seen tussled and ungroomed. Now, I ask you, is that really what's happening here? He doesn't look that different. I mean, he looks sort of cheerful. I'm sure the jail lighting's not the most favorable. But uh, the 47-year-old was convicted of raping two women and received a sentence of 30 years to life, two 15-year sentences consecutively, one for each charge. He must also register as a sex offender. His life is effectively over. Um, Masterson was being held in L.A. County Men's Central Jail, but has since been transferred to North Kern State Prison in Delano, California. Uh, he was received, blah, 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 blah. He was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole in September. I don't know how that squares with the two 15-year sentences. That seems like conflicting information. But whatever, he's in prison. So the world is safe from that 70s show and the ranch star, Danny Masterson, for the foreseeable future. So good, I guess. And for the remainder of today's headlines, I thought we would talk about some of the folks that we've lost in 2023. This is an article by David Colton uh, in USA Today. Uh, let's see. Among the people we've lost are... There's not a list, unfortunately. Uh, there was Tina Turner, who was 83 when she passed away. Uh Let's see. Uh, there was Tony Bennett, who was 96. Uh, so you could be forgiven if you thought she was already or he was already dead. And along those lines, Norman Lear was 101. About the time you hit 100, almost everybody you knew is probably dead. Uh, Harry Belafonte was 96. Interestingly, Harry Belafonte was also a, a vehement political commentator who really hated him some people on the right side of the aisle. He was. Uh, he was not a pleasant person when it came to politics, was Harry Belafonte. On the other side of the aisle, uh, evangelist Pat Robertson, 93, was probably super surprised when he woke up in hell. Uh, Henry Kissinger, who was also 100. A lot of people made it to some very distinguished ages. And then, of course, dabbleverse uh, relevant is the death of Matthew Perry, who was 54 and essentially drowned in his hot tub after experiencing some kind of physical distress. And then, of course, Kevin Brennan went briefly viral by joking about his death. Well, he didn't look at it. And wrote those articles about Brennan. It was like they were going out of their way to be as not objective as possible to crap on Brennan with all the force they could muster. It was like an estranged member of his family wrote the articles 
uh, they were brutal. And, and that was, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of an amusing time. Uh, along sad news, uh, very recently, Andre Brower from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Homicide uh, passed away. I was a huge fan of Andre Brower's character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Very sorry to see him go. Lance Reddick, from, who played Sharon in the John Wick movies, among many, many other parts. He was, I think, one of his most recent TV things was that Netflix Resident Evil series, which wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, Lance Reddick has passed away at the age of 60. They killed him off in John Wick. Oh, spoilers. I'm sorry. I mean, the man is dead. He's not going to be in any more John Wick films. But they did justice to the character, even though it went by kind of briefly. Um, so he's dead in the universe of John Wick, too. I'm sorry if you haven't seen John Wick 4, and that's a spoiler. My apologies, but brace yourself. It's a little sad. Uh, it was unexpected that uh, Jimmy Buffett passed away, but he was 76. Uh, let's see. Sandra Day O'Connor was 93. Uh, Diane Feinstein passed away, and honestly, she was dead on her feet for a while. I would say good riddance, except that her dying doesn't really improve anything because she'll just be replaced by a politician with positions that are as bad as hers were, but who is actually alive and able to interact with people, which Feinstein was not. She was a rubber stamp vote. Um, lots of people you've never heard of passed away. Ryan O'Neill was 82. He's an actor who was in movies like Love Story, a little bit past his prime. Alan Arkin, who you may uh, remember, also passed away at 89. Richard Roundtree, who was Shaft, was 81, and he passed away, and that's sad. Um, Topol, the Israeli actor who, I know he was in Fiddler on the Roof, but I remember Topol from 1980's Flash Gordon. He played Dr. Zarkov. Uh, he passed away in 2023, which is sad. Uh, he was 87, so he was up there. I mean, you know, you get to 87, anywhere near 90. It's a pretty good run. Uh, and now I'm contemplating hurtling into the abyss that is the nothingness after you die, and I'm having an existential crisis. I should probably stop focusing on that. Uh, and then I just just recently, Tom Smothers passed away, half of the Smothers brothers. Uh, and uh, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, 70, passed away. I'm pretty sure he was a child molester or wanted to be one, so... I'm not sure how happy or unhappy people should be about Paul Rubens. Kind of like with uh, uh, when, uh, you know, Michael with the glove. Michael Jackson. I don't know why I couldn't think of Jackson for a second. When Michael Jackson passed away, it was almost like, oh, good, everybody's safe now. I don't really know. Like, there are a lot of people who say that he didn't do the things he was accused of. Uh, but Paul Rubens collected, like, weird art that, got him in a lot of trouble. He was actually broomed up in the same sting that got uh, Jeffrey Jones, who was the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I believe the villain in Howard the Duck, the 1980s movie, uh, which if you haven't seen it, why would you? It's a terrible film. So, and let's see. Uh, wow, Richard Roundtree looked nothing like Richard Roundtree when he passed away. Some people shrink as they get older. Uh, some people get fat, some people shrink. And a bunch of other people that I don't recognize. Uh, Robert Blake passed away at 89. Um, his career collapsed after he was acquitted of killing his wife. Pretty sure he did it. Pretty sure Robert Blake got away with, with killing his wife and then nobody wanted to employ him. So we can probably be okay with that one. 
bunch of other people died in 2023 too. You know, it's interesting. People always say, you know, celebrities die in threes. They don't. Celebrities die all the time, but we artificially group them in threes because our brains seek to impose a pattern on the universe uh, so that we don't have to dwell in an unknowable nothing where nothing makes sense and everything is random. Sorry, doing the ex existential crisis thing again. So that was your headlines. <laughs> I'm never going to get tired of that. This is me. This is an artist depiction of me having a cold. That's me on my deathbed, uh, hooked up to a bourbon IV. Those will be my last wishes. Because this is AI art, uh, AI doesn't understand where the IV goes. So it's threaded through my beard for some reason and around my ear. Hopefully it goes somewhere that eventually reaches a vein. But anyway, that was the best AI could come up with when I told it what I wanted. So, okay, uh, let's talk about John's exit strategies. I got one super chat from J.R. Ryan I got to do before I get to that. Off topic, but how do you think the UFC manages to be so successful when they charge $80 a pay-per-view once a month? How is that sustainable or fan-friendly? Uh, probably because if you look at what it would take to go to an event in person and pay for that, uh, people probably justify the cost in terms of, well, it's for multiple people. I'm, I'm viewing it in the comfort of my home. I want to see the fights. There's great desire to see the fights because UFC is immensely popular. It's one of the few sports that I casually follow. Uh, so, you know, and I'm not a sports guy, so it definitely has broad appeal. But yeah, I, I think people justify it by saying, well, you know, it's not just me. I can remember buying, I bought the UFC fight that was uh, Georgia St. Pierre and Josh Koshek, which was the culmination of their ultimate fighter reality show season where they were at each other's throats the whole season. And then they find that helped build a lot of anticipation for that fight. I bought that fight on my own and watched it on pay-per-view. I remember standing in my bedroom, watching it on the TV in the bedroom. And I stood up because it was so awesome. It was such a great fight. Georgia St. Pierre basically just punched Koshek in the same eyeball over and over and over again. He looked like Frankenstein's monster by the time they were done. And then he's like, I'm sorry. I did not knock him out. It's uh, I'm very disappointed. I'm like, pretty sure you won, man. So uh, that fight, I remember costing me like 50 bucks. So if it's up to 80 now, I'm not surprised with inflation and everything else. That is pretty steep. I would need to like go in on the cost of the fight with somebody else in order not to feel guilty about spending 80 bucks on that. So let me go back here. Let me just show you the bourbon IV photo again while I wipe my nose because I'm not an animal. And I'm not going to wipe my nose on camera. I mean, I'm describing it for the podcast audience. But uh, this is what having a cold is, ladies and gentlemen. I'd be lying if I said I didn't up upload that specifically for that purpose. Okay. Uh, let's see. We, oh, let me take that off. We're caught up again with the Super Chats. Thank you very much for your generous donations. Okay. John's exit strategies. If John were to walk away before ill health catches up with him, what would that look like? He has a few different options. One, he can keep doing what he's doing, exactly unchanged, which honestly is probably the most likely option. 
And if he keeps doing what he's doing, completely unchanged, he'll keep doing that until something breaks. He'll get pranked again. Uh, he'll do something stupid. He'll dox himself or someone else so severely that it's a problem. Um, honestly, I'm surprised that hasn't happened before now. Every time he shares a screen, we get a window into his DMs at the very least. Uh, the guys on Rico were analyzing that today. Also, Rico's doing a 9 p.m. Eastern show. So right after I'm done here, feel free to, I would encourage you to head on over there because it'll probably be a good one. They've done a lot of content today. I, I'm not sure what the what the cause of that push is, but uh, they've done a lot of stuff today. So John can keep doing what he's doing and eventually something will give. But that's not really an exit. That's just do what you're doing until you have no choice. Point number, you know, possibility number two, he could get another real job. Uh, I, I hear the field of substitute teaching is quite lucrative. The, the jury's still out on why he ended up losing that job, whether or not he officially lost it or just lost his credentials. Hard to say. Um, I remember distinctly him talking about taking a test to be uh, considered for, you know, to do it permanently. He mentioned the test and then he never mentioned it again. Um, so my theory for a long time was maybe he took that test and didn't pass it. But regardless, there's a lot of real jobs out there in the world. The guy could go out and get a real job if he wanted to. I realize that screaming at your laptop in your living room is a lot more appealing than getting a real job. But there might be some more dignity in it. If John leaves and, you know, the, the, Rico will continue to grow. They have endless content. They can keep doing that stuff. Other people will move out of the stuttering John business. I'd probably move on to more new stuff and more internet weirdness. But the ecosystem would continue. And while people would continue making fun of John for a while, eventually they'd move on. Eventually he would be more or less forgotten. Not completely. But it wouldn't be a constant drumbeat of people, as he sees it, crashing him. So getting a real job is a very attractive exit strategy for him because it would eventually lead him to, I would think, a much more productive, normal life. However, he's almost 60 years old. He's already taking a couple of pensions that he took early from various things. I don't know what kind of money those amount to. Probably not enough to live on, especially paying rent in Los Angeles and also a mortgage in Florida. But maybe he could make a go of it. I don't know. I don't know what John is actually qualified to do. He seems very difficult to get along with. But getting a real job, probably the best option for him in terms of his quality of life. It would probably lead to the healthiest version of John. Another option that I think is very unlikely, John could get help from someone. This is unlikely because he's very difficult to get along with. He's, I would characterize him as untrainable and uncontrollable. You can try to drill into his head information that you want him to have. He's not going to pick it up. He just doesn't. So that and his tendency to get on people's bad sides or to decide that they are on his, his obnoxious and boorish behavior, it's very unlikely that he will get help from somebody. Because, as I've said many times, John did his best work with Royce. A good producer could make all the difference in the world with John. Handling the technical end of things. Managing the talent, if you'll forgive me. But uh, that is the... I just realized I left the headlines thing up. We're back around the Dabbleverse. 
that is the uh, the the thing that's never going to happen. John has burned so many bridges, and so many people have seen how the people who work with him get treated. That I don't think it's likely that anyone is going to step from the shadows and offer to help him. Most recently, who were those people? It was Cardiff and Vinnie Paulino, who very generously tried to help him. And we didn't realize at the time the extent to which they were helping him. You know, I think a lot of people assumed that there was some people getting paid and that wasn't the case. They were genuinely doing something good for the Dabbleverse and John didn't appreciate it. So, and those bridges, of course, were burned. Those were the last people who tried to help John. Um, I don't know, you could kind of argue that Vince the lawyer is trying to help him, but that help comes at the expense of constantly trolling him too. So that's kind of a, that's like a monkey paw bargain. You know, oh, monkey paw, I wish uh, Uncle Fredo was alive again. Well, he's alive, but he's still in bombs, so he's in terrible pain. I don't know if you ever seen that. It might be a Outer Limits or Twilight Zone. It's called the monkey paw. Don't wish on the monkey paw. It's, it's always bad. It's like evil genies. You know, they always take the, the, they take everything literally and they always mess with you. They're never, they don't have your best interest at heart. So. Uh, also, another possibility. John could quit and run run away again and actually stick to it, not be gone for a day, not be gone for a week, not go to another imaginary vacation in an imaginary version of Jamaica. Just leave. Whatever he does after he leaves, again, it'll take some time for activity to dissipate. People will talk about him leaving for a long time. Then people will speculate about whether he's coming back. The longer that time goes on, the more people will start are focused to other things. Eventually, everybody moves on to something other than John. And even though Rico is sitting on top of a billion years worth of content, even they might eventually decide to move on to something else. Now, there's kind of a, it's not a catch-22, but there's kind of a weird equation that happens there. As other people move away from John, if Rico is the only show still talking about John based on his old content, he's still entertaining. There are still people who will tune in to watch that show. I would be one of them. So I don't think they're going to have any, they're not going to be struggling anytime soon. But John leaving accomplishes the same thing as John getting a real job. It's John not doing this thing that feeds the machine, feeds the trolling, feeds the content mechanism that keeps the Dabbleverse turning. You know, the Dabbleverse will continue to rotate on its own without him, but it will find other uh other ways to to channel its activities. It will focus on other points. Uh, there's also the possibility that John could lose his channel. That would bring us back to him keep, you know, he keeps doing what he's doing until it breaks. Sooner or later, he's going to get pranked again. Sooner or later, somebody he trusts and has brought on as a guest is going to play inappropriate video or something like that. So it's only a matter of time. It's not if, but when. If that happens enough, he could lose his channel and just not have this as an option. What does he do then? I don't know. Does he strike you as the kind of person that like goes to Twitch? Uh, it's possible, but I don't see him tackling the technological issues. I know he's spoken of Rumble as a place where right-wingers go, and that's only true because you know right now the people who get kicked off of YouTube, they go to Rumble because that's the one place that most obviously will have them, but that's not important. My point is, it's all a big circle, and it's unlikely that John will avail himself of any of it. I think what's going to happen, rather than John taking an off-ramp anytime soon, availing himself of an exit strategy, 
He's he's just going to keep losing and keep doing what he's doing. And it's it's only going to further humiliate him. And that's why, he said, plugging tomorrow night's episode, be sure to tune in to tomorrow night's 8 p.m. live broadcast. We will talk about John losing. And then, that's Thursday. Friday night, we'll talk about sort of the year in review, why uh, John hated 2023, and why things aren't looking good for 2024. All right, do we have, uh, we're all caught up on Super Chats. That's good. Well, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, let me, uh, do I have anything else that I need to cover? Uh, no, I'm caught up on that. So we do have a little bit of time to head on over to the chat. Maybe I should, maybe I should go into Terminator Vision for that. You know, that's a great idea. From now on, when I go through the regular chat, we'll go into Terminator Vision while we do it. That'll make things a little visually more interesting. Uh, Sheena Jackson says Terminator Vision. Yes, very, very much so, Sheena. Uh, let's see. Uh, KB is so terrible. He's not fun like John. He's just miserable and no one likes him, says Lucifer. I I understand the point you're making. He is very angry, but clearly Brennan has supporters. Clearly people enjoy uh, what Kevin does. He's, he pulls in gigantic super chats. The man has a support base. Taste is subjective. And, you know, I, I don't understand how someone looks at what Shuli does and then someone looks at what John does and goes, I want to side with John over Shuli. But there are people who do. As the old saying goes, there's simply no accounting for taste. LK says, Boogie2988 already ruined Twitch for John. Yes, uh, Boogie was naked on stream or something and got kicked off. And I think it was something to do with like lampooning their tasteful artistic nudity TOS change, which got reversed like within 24 hours. Very strange. Uh, Lucifer says John would not make money on Twitch. No, probably not. Nor would I, nor do I think he would be able to surmount the technical issues of getting on it. Quinn says, all you have to do is start at the beginning, go to the end, then restart. There will be new reveals and findings every time, like a great movie or book. You know, you're right. And I think the guys at Rico would go back to some of the earliest John stuff if they needed to, if he was just gone. Redbird says, John trying to charge Walmart customers for autographs would be great. Well, one of the paths that I didn't outline would be John doing IRL streaming. I'd watch that. John trying to cope with life, dealing with the outside world, that would be incredibly fascinating. But, you know, I don't think he's going to do it. Uh, Cindy's says, if John leaves the Dabbleverse, Kevin Brennan will be the next stuttering John. I, I don't know. I mean, the guys at Rico, certainly, uh, that's a catchy theme song for the anti-Kevin the anti show. Um, but I don't know. It's unlikely. Personally, I'd love to see someone like, uh, you know, maybe Steeltoe get a little more turn in the barrel. I don't have anything against Aaron and April, but I don't know. Making fun of them is kind of fun. I don't know why. Maybe I'm a bad person. John's Cockroach says, you should see the AA meeting filled with John's the judge sent there for DUI and assault. Really nice. Ouch. Yeah, that's not, not pleasant to picture. Uh, let me uh, just double check this. 
Okay, I think that one's all right. Mike Croft says, Merry Christmas, Phil, and many blessings for the new year. Thank you very much, Mike. I'm not sure what your avatar looked like to me at first. It's a dog wearing sunglasses, but I was a little leery of it, so I had to check it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your generous donations to the show this evening. They really do help. Um, J.R. Ryan says, Phil, if people send food which they shouldn't pay, leave a tip and say knock once and leave at the door. Well, yes, that's what a decent person would do. But, I mean, the whole point of them sending deliveries to his house is to mess with him and make him angry. Uh, it's it's a it's a the people doing it i don't understand why people do that because i feel like you're leaving a paper trail maybe with gift cards you don't but i feel like if you're harassing someone it would be possible to eventually track down who's doing it you know by talking to the service the delivery service and stuff it just seems like a dangerous game to be playing but lucifer says i have a theory about uh where he gets his money. I think his rich brother sends him money as super chats under different names. Interesting. J.R. Ryan says, did you hear John say his mom's full phone number to the delivery guy? Oh, I didn't. That is awful. I mean, the people who are pranking him already have the number, but good God. Uh, David Fuller says, yes, Steel Toe sucks. He's such a kumi a wannabe. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't begrudge him his aspirations. I just think that there's plenty of material to lampoon there. Uh, Kip Smith says, when asked about the pedo accusations, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, replied, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> Please let that be true. Uh, Great Gilbert's ghost. I tried the other day when he came back without Shuli or Carl. It just it's just sad. Oh, LK is referring to watching John's show. Yeah, really best to watch John's show with the commentary on, as they say. Uh, Animal Kelly says a shame Steel Toe going downhill. Used to watch. I'll always be grateful for Steel interviewing Adonis Paul and introducing me to the Adonis Paul show. I've heard several comments about Steel Toe going downhill, but. I don't feel like they're any different than they used to be. I kind of lost interest in the show, but recently I found myself wondering if maybe I should start watching it again. So I don't know. There seems to be perception is definitely important. And there does seem to be this weird perception that they're going downhill. And if they can't fight that, then they're going to have a big problem. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Surviving the News. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, please tune in for the 8 a.m. Uh, STN morning news tomorrow and then for the 8 p.m. live broadcast tomorrow night where we talk about Stuttering John losing again. Uh, I have been Phil Elmore. This has been Surviving the News. Until next time, do your best to survive the news.